everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I am Atara Torsky, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com, spelled with two E's at the end of curly and two E's at the end of girly. And I am here with my amazing co-host and good friend, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. Hi, Atara. Hello, everyone. I'm Grace Cross, owner of The Baby Spot, the only global parenting magazine. And you can find me at thebabyspot.ca. We have a great topic today that we want to share with you, our audience. So we are so excited to welcome Dr. Sarah Weinberger. Sarah is a New York State licensed psychologist with a PhD in cognition, brain and behavior, and health psychology concentration from the City University of New York. She is currently an associate professor of psychology and the director of the program in public health at Marymount's Manhattan College. Sarah is a teacher, clinician, and researcher with active research program related to women's health health, sexuality, and body image. Welcome, Sarah. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you so much, ladies, for inviting me uh, to join you today. It's really an honor. We're so happy to have you. It's our pleasure. And this is going to be such a powerful conversation, not only for the three of us to enjoy, but our whole audience. And this is a conversation that needs to happen. Absolutely. So, Sarah, let's start off by telling us a little about your work and maybe what made you choose this area of study. Sure. Um, so we're going back now several decades. <laughs> oh, you're not that old. Oh, you're not that old. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well I'll, I'll, try to be, I'll try to be brief and to the point. I mean, I think that in general, I always, um, obviously, I'm a psychologist, and so I'm interested in psychological health, but... Uh, in particular, uh, as a health psychologist, I'm really interested in how um, our psychological experience impacts our physical well-being. I think that's um, the crux of everything that I focus on, and, and I really filter everything through that lens. And in particular, how our um, environmental, cultural, social, psychological experiences uh, impact who we are, uh, really on a very holistic level. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, you know, women's health and in particular body image and related issues such as eating disorders, but not exclusively eating disorders are something that I have always felt very, very passionate about. Um, You know, starting from, you know, just my own experience of being a young woman and seeing what my, you know, friends had gone through, but also um, as a teacher at at an institution that um, we actually have a very large female population um, and so I feel like I am really at the pulse of what a lot of um, late adolescent and young adult women are dealing with. And I kind of feel like it's my mission to help them combat some of what they're bound to come up against in this age of social media, which has completely changed the landscape. Even like you said, of course, we're not that old, but, you know, obviously we're all in our early 20s. <laughs> yes, always. Let's just go with that. Okay. But compared compared to what we had to deal with, I think it's even more complex and the yes. pressures come at you from every which way and every angle. Um, and it's, it's almost inescapable. And, um, you know, one thing that I do as a psychology professor in general is I try to teach critical thinking, particularly with an eye towards media literacy. Um, And how do we do that when it comes to body image 
in general and self-esteem. And I know, Atar, you and I have talked about this and we overlap on these things a lot, yes. which is why our conversations do tend to get very passionate about these yes. things. Um, so I don't know if that's enough background. That's perfect. No, that's super perfect because I mean, I couldn't agree with you more and I'm sure Grace will, will agree as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're, um, all the mothers of, of two daughters, each of us, I have yes. a boy as well. <laughs> um, so this is something that, you know, as moms first, we really want to make sure that we're imparting the right values to our daughters. And that can be so difficult in today's age, as you say, Sarah. And also it's something that we as women need to work on in order to impart that properly to our girls. Don't you think? I could not agree more. I, I you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Atara and I both have curly girlies. We both have um, girls with curly hair, for example. And I find this is a major issue with women um, across the world. Both Atara and I agree that like women have, the their crowns are their hair. And with more than half the population of women having curly or um, coiled hair um, in a world where you're supposed to straighten your hair, that can really hurt a child's self-esteem. And that's why Atara's book, Curly Girly, was so important. And that's how you two kind of connected as well. Isn't that right? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I have to say, I love the book on a professional and a personal mom level. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so I, I, at first, was attracted to it from a professional level because I really think that um, the way that hair influences our sense of self and our body image is actually very largely ignored um, in the general literature on body image. And that's something that I'm particularly interested in. I mean, I think, you know, we talk about hair from a cultural perspective and we talk about hair and it's important to African-American women, but that really misses the point because this is important to all women. Um, and on the personal level, so I have to borrow some of the language from the book, I have one spaghetti head. <laughs> My, um, my, my own addition is that my younger daughter is a rotini head. Oh, wow. Oh. I love that. <laughs> so I have one spaghetti and one rotini and rotini is only four and a half and is extremely, extremely preoccupied with her hair already. Wow. And, right. the, and the boings, despite the fact that as a tar knows, because I, I came across curly girly when she was only a few months old, I'd actually been reading it to her since she was probably eight or nine months old wow. and she loved the book um and her older sister the spaghetti head knows that she very very much has to be a part of the curly positivity in our household wow. um so it's it's even more powerful for me um than it would have been just a couple of years ago Wow. Thank it, you. It really I'm, I'm so it. glad to hear that it, that the book has been impactful. Um, and, and as you know, I wrote it because it was inspired by my curly haired child. And I noticed that even now, it, you know, it continues to be, um, I'm not going to say a daily struggle, but an oftentimes struggle to, to get my child to really feel, you know, good about her hair and not feel that it is less than. And that, that continues to be something that I work on with her all the time. You know, we, we have 
often morning hair fits, I like to call them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's crazy this morning. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I wish I could have straight hair. Like we do go through that. You go through that as well. I'm sure, Grace, right? You know what? It's interesting because I also have curly hair and I've made it a passion to always wear it naturally. Right. um, As a woman. Now, that was a challenge, of course, uh, growing up and you're walking in the mall with your confident curls and suddenly (laughs) comes some mall kiosk person with one of those demonstration um, hair straighteners and they say, we'd love to straighten your hair. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like, you yeah. know, if I chose to wear my hair this way, why would I have you straighten half right. of my hair for free? So we have curly hair confidence, but it's a challenge because so many people don't. And and an ongoing conversation with women when they, they're like, I love your hair. My hair's like that too. I just straighten it every morning. Yes. It's almost like they're saying, I'm happy you're wearing it, but I'm afraid to wear it. That's why I'm straightening it. Why aren't you straightening it too? So I've been very confident, but my daughter is six and I've noticed body image conversations in the first grade are already happening and they're strong. You have uh, girls calling other girls fat and um, making fun of their clothes. And then of course the hair. So I haven't had any negative curly hair experiences, but we are just slamming our daughter with how beautiful her hair is. We have a lot of curl positivity, and I think that's thankful to our friends uh, reading Atara's book, Atara, and uh, Thank you. <laughs> just always being in constant conversation. But it's not easy, Dr. Sarah. Do you have any advice for our parents of young children? So the one thing that I, I really wanted to just touch on what you said, Grace, which is that you're sort of like slamming her with the positivity. Yes. And the self-confidence. There's, there's a couple of points. So first of all, you know, we're not only having a conversation about hair, which obviously I think to us is evident, but I, I want to make that really explicit, right? That hair is representative and is emblematic of all the other messages that we get that as women and increasingly men, and not just men and women, but girls and boys mm-hmm. need to manipulate ourselves to fit into some expectation. Right. Right. Yes. So it represents all of that. So we could be talking about hair or we could be talking about weight or we could be talking about skin color or we could be talking about a multitude of other things. And so I just want to point out that um, this is much larger than just hair. Um, From a research and a clinical perspective, these conversations that you're noticing happen in first grade, they happen then, they happen even earlier. You're going to see kids as young as four and five, and the research really supports this, already having... Um, preconceived notions about what an appropriate body looks like or who's prettier or what they should look like. And we need to start early. And so that's what you're doing already. But I want to say, and this is not just something um, that I've seen personally, but the research really, really supports the fact that the number one thing that we could do, particularly as moms and as parents in general, is not to have that negative self-talk about ourselves right. in front of our kids. Wow. Please, yes. please, please, for those of you that are listening, because even though a lot of us talk the talk and you're so beautiful and I love you just the way you are, when you're getting dressed or you're standing in front of the mirror right. or you're smoothing out your wrinkles or you're squeezing or you're feeling uncomfortable in what you're wearing or you're sitting at a family meal and instead of having a family meal, 
you're talking about what you're eating or what you should or shouldn't be eating, that's what your kids are picking up on. Right. So it begins with the parents. Absolutely begins with the parents. It absolutely does. And, you know, there's only so much that we can do as parents. We have this real, this real instinct to protect them. Um, and there are things that we can do. There are things that we can't do. But the first thing that we can do is sort of start with the household and, you know, start with things like no negative body talk, right? At all. It's just not allowed. It's not just okay. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Not about ourselves, not about our kids, not about their friends, and not about anybody else. Right, because, because they're going to pick up on all of your signals, overt and not. They're exactly. going to pick up on them. Okay, exactly. And that doesn't mean, and I also don't want anyone misinterpreting. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to care about your appearance. Right, right, right. right? And so there's there's um, there's so much that you can do. I think that we live in a culture. It's very um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think we just get so many conflicting messages because we're supposed to be embracing diversity, right? If we don't embrace diversity then, right, then that's not okay. No, right? and it's a pretty boring world. It's pretty boring. <laughs> Yet, there's certain kinds of diversity that we're kind of okay with not embracing. It's like, it's, it's like unspoken. Like, it's okay sometimes to kind of fat shame, right? As long as we don't do it explicitly. It's okay to like talk about manipulating our hair into submission because like, well, if it makes you feel good, right, right, right. then it's okay. Right. That's right. But that's kind of crap. Right. Right. So if we're really going to embrace diversity, we really need to do it on every level and it needs to start with us. It really, really does. And the media can be such a danger zone when you're raising, for example, a curl confident child and they walk outside and they're walking down the street feeling confident about their body image. And then suddenly the media is only showing a certain type of person, a person that they can't relate to in the billboards, um, right. that person. And then we see later on that person getting maybe um, the lead in the school play because they're uh, aesthetic pleasing as well as talented and then that transpires into university and in the workforce where these people are getting uh, promotions a lot easier because they're fitting into this mold so <clears throat> we seem to be always teaching ourselves what this mold is but who is defining it I would love to do a call to action that we as the people start to define what is beautiful. And that has so many different facets and fills so many different gaps of people who previously haven't fit in. Mm. I, I think, yes. Grace, your point is profound in oh. particular because when we want to, um, you know, engender curl confidence or self-esteem or body positivity, we have to do it in a way where we also have a nod to the reality of the fact that there is a mold. And, yes. you know, people that fit into the mold, it's not their fault, right? right. they fit into the mold, that's okay. They're beautiful. Right. But, but how do we as, um, as parents and as activists, perhaps, right, how do we make change while acknowledging the current reality? for our children and how do we um, arm them with the ability to go out into the world. And maybe by the time, you know, our girls are out there in the workforce, there will be some change or maybe hopefully they'll feel confident enough to sort of acknowledge these things. But there, there is, there is a reality. And so I always like to talk about um, 
you know, body positivity, confidence, self-esteem building within the context of the world that we're living in, not within a bubble. Right. 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 Well, I, I always like to say, you know, I do change happens slowly and then suddenly. And I do feel like there is a movement toward going back to your natural selves, which I'm so pleased about, but it's still a slow evolution. Um, I wonder if either of you and any of our audience have seen um, Dove put out a wonderful, I think it's called Real Beauty Sketches video. Yes. Are you familiar with that? They're beautiful. Right? So for those of our audience members, Suzanne, I'll just quickly recap. They, um, they hired a um, forensic artist and they t took four women and they asked the women to describe each other to this forensic artist. He did not get to see them. Oh, so he didn't have a clue. And based on their description of first, I think they described themselves and then the other women described each other. And the, then he put the sketches side by side, first the description of themselves and first the description by others. And what was so amazing to see was the difference in the sketches, that the way that women viewed themselves was so much harsher than they were actually viewed by others. They described themselves in ways that people who were seeing them did not describe them. So I thought that it was a really profound um, video and it, it got, I think, 100 million views because wow. it resonated with so many people across the globe. Um, I actually spoke with Gil Zamara, who actually was the forensic artist. He said he never expected, and Dove never expected it to get more than they thought, okay, if we get lucky, we'll get 100,000 views. But it was so powerful and it resonated so much that it really went viral. And I think that's because women are are really feeling this this mounting pressure as you say sarah because of the world that we're living in today more so than ever and we somehow need to diffuse that so tell us a little like how do you do that as a psychologist and in your classroom what what kind of tools do you use and and how do you try to impart that so first of all the dove campaign in particular that video is is one that i use and really? Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, you didn't know that. that so just, just for everybody listening, we didn't plant this. this <laughs> no. um, so Tyler actually didn't know that that's one of my favorite sort of pedagogical tools. Um, and so for me, the most impactful thing is actually watching a room full of 25 women watching the video oh. um, because it's shocking. Yeah. And one thing that I always wonder as a psychologist when I watch that is the extent to which there's no question. So when the women in that um, short film describe themselves, there's no question that they've internalized um, those beliefs about themselves. But I right. also wonder how much of it is the fact that we as women are not expected or it's not considered culturally acceptable to say positive things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So true. That's an interesting We're point. We're not allowed to say, I really just love my hair. We're right. not allowed. It, well, it's not that we're not allowed. It's not. Right. Is it not tasteful? It's not tasteful. Is it right. not, what it's not are, appropriate. It's not appropriate. Right. It, it's, we're bragging. We're, you know, right. it's not humble, whatever it is, right? Right. right. It's more appropriate to highlight our own flaws. Right. Yes, I can't stand my feet. My feet are too big, or something. Yes. And, and when and when they're and when they're, you know the, and the that Dove commercial is 
is powerful because they're only describing their face, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, my nose is too big, I'm wrinkled, my this, my hair. Um, and they really have to pay attention to detail as opposed to listening to the way and, and looking at the way that other people describe them. So if you haven't seen that, I strongly suggest watching that. Of all, the Dove campaign for real beauty in general is wonderful, but that happens to be my favorite. It's the same. <laughs> um, and so that's when they, and it, you know, and I, I've, I've done some work. So I tend to work, the women that I work with are my own students. So late adolescents, young adults. And I also work with mothers of younger children. Because like I said, um, the research really suggests that the best way to promote that body positivity, particularly, well, it has to start young, has to start early, and it has to start with parents, right? Right. You're not going to, yes, you want to, of course, you know, build body positivity with young kids, but the best way to do that with younger children is, as I mentioned before, is through things like media literacy, which can teach them about all sorts of things, right? not just about body image. It's about the idea of like what you see on TV and what you see on the internet and what you see in magazines, a lot of it's not real, right? And how do we understand that? And, and the dog campaign gets at that a little bit. I mean, I suppose you could even use that with, um, with younger kids um, as well. But that's one of the tools that I use. Um, Atara, as I, I think I've mentioned to you before, I actually started reading Curly Girly to some of my classes. Oh, wow. Oh, isn't that something? Along with um, another book called Shapesville, mm-hmm. um, which is about um, body diversity. Mm-hmm. It's also technically a children's book. But I will say not only have I read Curly Girly to my own students, I've sent copies of Curly Girly to my adult friends who mm-hmm. needed a copy of Curly Girly, particularly when we were adolescents. Yeah. And are now you know, sharing it with their own kids. Wow. Thank you. Uh, That's so meaningful to hear, Thank really. You. I think it's, I think really we should be saying thank you. <laughs> uh, so I guess you're welcome, which is weird. But yeah. We'll just thank Ari who started yeah. the whole curly we'll girl. Thank Ari. <laughs> we'll thank Ari for, for being born a rotini head. And, there you go. And, there you and, go. And you choosing to do something about that. Um, and even for, um, even with my older students, a lot of it really starts with, challenging their own assumptions. You know, young people love to think of themselves as like promoting social justice and being socially active. Um, but I really like them to reflect strongly on the, their, the messages that they've internalized, particularly with regards towards beauty and appearance um, and why we as a culture are less, less focused on changing those things. Um, the other thing that I speak a lot about, because this is really something that's evidence-based, is the movement called health at every size. Mm-hmm. And this is moving away, moving a little bit away from hair, but it's the idea that, you know, it's not just let's love ourselves how we are. Right. Right. It's less, let's love ourselves how we are and let's be the best that we can be. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we don't strive to feel better, to be healthier. Right. It doesn't mean that we don't want to live the best life that we can live and promote um, behaviors that are going to give us confidence, promote behaviors that are going to help right. us feel good. Like it's eating healthy, exercising, exactly. that's right. all go into how you feel about yourself ultimately. Exactly, exactly. But we do it in sort of an appearance neutral way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that that's actually something that's had some of the biggest impact um, in the field of body image promotion. Wow. wow. Yeah, that we can be the best that we can be, right? Um, but we do it in a very self-confident and positive way. I, I love that. I it's really simple do. but so profound, isn't it? And it's something that every woman needs to hear and little girl and, and little boys and men as well, right? right? Because uh, men aren't allowed in this mold to express themselves in their body image challenges. And 100, 100%, I mean, it's increasingly for young boys too. And I'd like to throw out a challenge for the two of you and everybody listening. Yes. One thing that I, I like to do, um, and I've been saying this for years, is to start by changing the conversation. And I don't mean the larger conversation, I mean the daily conversation. So Tara, you and I haven't actually, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while. Right. We might greet each other and be happy to see each other. And the first thing we might say is, oh my God, you look so great. Right. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead of doing that, we could just be like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in so long. I'm so happy to see you. Right. It fills me with such joy to see you. Right. right. Or how are you? Or how are you feeling? And right. sort of literally, there are all these memes that I see, right? Because these are the sort of body positivity circles that I hang out in, replacing the appearance-focused comments. Mm -hmm. And so we need to do this as adults too. And it seeps into our kids and it goes back to what we're saying. Yeah. And it well, just it's what so I always say, right? It's about changing the inner dialogue of children. And that needs to happen when they're so young. And, and we as parents, you know, it's obviously something that we all need to work on as individuals. And when we can work on that in ourselves, we're going to be able to pass that down to our girls and our boys in, in a more healthy way. So I accept that challenge. I love it. I'm going to work Same. on it today. <laughs> it just feels more warmer and genuine too, right? Like when you're saying, it's just been so good to see you. It just bring me so much joy that we're together. I mean, that's something that's so digestible for me. It feels like a warm bowl of soup. You know what I mean? <laughs> and to be able to say that to your kids, right? Like when they come home from camp today, I'm going to find something like that to say. And that's right. I love it. I love it. And, you know, and, and, and it's also because, again, culturally, we're taught that, like, that's how we connect. There's this dialogue that we can always predict, like, oh, my God, you look so great. Oh, no, I don't. I'm this and that. Yes, right? yes. And it's, it's, and again, it's, you know, we're taught to be self-deprecating. Um, and we're taught to connect with each other on that level. And again, it doesn't mean, like, if you genuinely love a person's shoes, that's great. Say it. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's totally fine. But. If you're really happy to see someone, tell them you're really happy to see them. Right. Right. Tell them, you know, it makes me, you know, it makes me feel like I'm eating a warm bowl of soup or whatever. <laughs> right. It does. I like that, Grace. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, Sarah, this has been such an impactful um, and important conversation. It was really great talking to you. Don't you agree, Grace? Oh, I do. Dr. Sarah, we have to have you on again. Yes. Period. This is like just the tip of the iceberg conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to the two of you for what you're doing. Um, you know, and you're you're really pioneers in many ways. I just want to thank you so much for um, inviting me to be on. It's really been our absolute our pleasure. pleasure. You're fantastic. I know our audience is going to love you as much as we do. And like I was saying, we have to have you on again. So Absolutely. thank you for being just a champion for women and girls. We need more Dr. Sarah's. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I invite, I think everybody can be. I think everybody really can be. 
Um, okay, let's all try. We're going to try in our own individual homes, and then it will just spread from there virally. Let's hope. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Bye for now. Bye. Bye for now.